0: The Brijabasis were living in Gokul. After the two Arjuna trees came crashing to the ground, there was a meeting among the leaders of the Gopas, the elderly cowherd man. At that time, there was a great concern, because like any caring community, there was much concern for the safety and well-being of the children, especially Krishna. Let us go back just a few years. There was a king named Surasena. Sena who had two sons, Vasudeva and Parjanya. Parjanya came to Goku Mahaban and he became the leader or the king of the abasi community of cowherd people and the scriptures describe eloquently about the divine qualities of barjannya he had pure unalloyed devotion to the supreme personality of Godhead and therefore He was ornamented with all other wonderful qualities. He was truly everyone's well-wisher. He treated all of his apparent subordinates as his masters and served them carefully. Such a leader as Śrīla Prabhupāda would explain, does not demand respect, but commands respect. The difference is very important. To demand respect means to expect respect. Because of my particular role, my position, my qualities, whatever it may be, to command respect in the vaishnava way is to have such a good example, to care about people so much that we actually awaken and bring the good out in them. And people, from their hearts, they want to respect us. They want to follow us. When we have that faith that someone is genuinely our well-wisher, that's the effect that it has. There are wonderful recorded conversations of Srila Prabhupada when he came to India after traveling in the West. And he would, he would tell very prominent leaders of Indian society, sometimes industrialists, business people, politicians, he said, I went to the West with 40 rupees. I didn't have anything to give anyone except Krishna consciousness. I had nothing material." At one time he said, "'I was practically wandering homeless, loitering like a beggar.'" And he explained, that none of the people that were following him came from poor families. They came from either very wealthy families or middle-class families. And then Srila Prabhupada would explain, this is in the early 1970s when India was really a backward third world type of a country He said, he was talking about the highways and how every family has a telephone in the house and how everyone has televisions in their house and how every family has their own car. This was only for the extremely prosperous people in India in those days. He said, why are they following me? Why have they given up everything of, their, of, of all that they have as their inheritance? Why have they given it all up to follow me? And it's actually really true. If we examine some of those early followers of Srila Prabhupada, extremely intelligent, extremely resourceful, had great connections. And to follow Prabhupada in those days, to sleep on the floor in a storefront crowded with other people, waiting in line for a little bathroom. eating off a piece of some wax paper they accepted actually a life that was below the poverty level and they were happy enthusiastic they wouldn't trade it for anything they could have taken over parents businesses they could have gone to colleges they could have done so much Some just at the final state of their medical degrees and now they're living on the floor in the back of a van. Nothing. And then they came to India and in Mumbai, His Holiness Giriraj Swami, his his parents are millionaires. They're offering him millions if he comes home. He's staying in a swamp, not just theoretically getting malaria due to being bitten by mosquitoes, rats crawling across his face at night, dacoits threatening life. when devotees in the early days in so many countries when they would go out on Harinam Sankirtan people would beat them up they would get arrested and put in prison why? because these devotees had faith that Śrīla Prabhupāda was really their ever-well-wisher. He was a living example. He would speak about how he first met his Guru Maharaj in Kolkata. And he made his Guru Maharaj's order, his life and soul. And devotees, hearing Seeing, feeling, experiencing in every way that Śrīla Prabhupāda was making his Guru Mahārāja's mission, his life and soul. So those devotees wanted to make Prabhupāda's mission their life and soul, not just theoretical but practice. So, in Vaishnav society, it's not about politics, it's not about um, petitions, revolutions of, among each other. It's about being an example. That is a leader. So, Parjanya was such a leader. Everyone wanted to follow, because when you love, good people could recognize that love and they respond with love. When you care, good people, they will open their hearts and they will care. In those early days, devotees would do anything for Śrīla Prabhupāda. When he would become sick, it was like the end of the world. Because he cared. And of course, there is always those who um, whose hearts are crooked and therefore they interpret in different ways. Because Prabhupāda had so many enemies as well. But he was their well-wisher also. So, Parjanya was such a king, and he had no attachment for anything. His only attachment was in the service of the Supreme Lord to serve all of these people. They have been entrusted in my care by Krishna. So when his five children, when they came of age, he decided to give all of his ruling power to give the whole kingdom of Braj to his eldest son, Upananda, who was totally qualified, who was like his father, an ocean of good qualities. And Parjanya's idea is after giving the kingdom to him, Parjanya and his wife would go to the forest to live with no possessions and just spend the rest of their lives hearing and chanting the glories of the Lord. So the ceremony was performed and when the kingdom was given to Upananda, Upananda did something that was totally shocking to everyone's heart. Shocking in a very Blissful way. He said, my younger brother, Nanda, he is a treasure chest of good qualities. He has so much love in his heart. He has no envy. He has no selfishness. Everybody loves him because he loves everybody. He's most qualified to be the king. Therefore, on this day, I confer the kingdom on my younger brother, Nanda, and I will be his servant. Where do we see that today? And Nanda Maharaj was very humbled by all this. He he was not ambitious. just my older brother Upananda is this what you really want Upananda he said does everyone want this and everyone in the whole brudjerboshi community loudly glorified nanda maharaj hadibo And Nanda Maharaj saw, everyone wants this, and my older brother wants this, and Parjanya was very much crying in ecstasy to see the love between his children, the trust between his children. And from that day on, Upananda became the chief minister under Nanda Maharaj and he would give him advice. And Nanda Maharaj 100% always followed whatever Upananda said. Because Nanda Maharaj was Upananda's servant, Upananda was Nanda Maharaj's servant. There was no envy. There was no ego. There was only what's best for the people. That's what will please our beloved Lord. So after the Arjuna trees came down, Upananda called a meeting, Nanda Maharaj and everybody was there, and he would never give instructions. He would never instruct Nanda Maharaj. He would always just give his advice, and then after giving his advice he would say, now. Nanda Maharaj, you do whatever you feel is best. He said, I think this place, Mahaban, is not safe. And the Brijabhasis, they never thought Krishna to be the supreme truth or the Almighty God. He was extraordinary simply because of the sweetness of his beauty and his personality, that they just loved him. When he was just an infant little baby, he would, he didn't yet show that he knew how to talk, or walk, or even crawl. But if he glanced at you, something mystical took place. You just thought he was such a helpless little vulnerable baby that I just want to give my life and my soul to protect and make happy because his glance completely awakened the soul's ecstatic love. That was Gopal. So Upananda said, when he was just a few days old, that Rakshasi Putana came and tried to kill him. And by the mercy of Lord Narayan, because Mai was offering so many good mantras for the protection of Krishna, he was protected. And then that big, cart with a demon Sakata Asura. That cart fell down. Huge with all those pots and all those steelwares. They all came tumbling down and just missed Krishna. Because of Krishna's purity as being an innocent child. He was not harmed. And then Trinavarta, that whirlwind came and took little baby Krishna. He was one-year-old, way, way high, high in the sky. He blinded our eyes with dust. And somehow or other, because of the pious deeds of the Brijabhasis, <laughs> who love Krishna more than all their hearts, that demon happened to fall happened to just fall down on some stones. Lord Narayan keeps protecting our child, Krishna. And all our other children are not safe here. And then these two two gigantic trees fall down and on each side of Gopal, they're only an inch or two away. Just across the river Yamuna is the forest of Brindaban. We should go there. There, the river Yamuna is flowing so nicely, and there's beautiful forest with lush trees and wonderful pasture grounds, and there's Govardhan Hill, which has so many nice trees and waterfalls and, 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 and rivers and creeks and luscious grasses for our cows. Let us go there. It will be a safe and happy place to live. Immediately, Nanda Maharaj said, we will go. And they left. Immediate. Just whatever they had, they put that in the the carts of the oxen and they just left. When they came to Brindavan, They made a, a formation like a crescent moon with the carts on three sides, river Yamuna on the other side. And gradually made they made the forest of Vrindavan their home. Shukadeva Goswami tells so many wonderful leelas that took place here in Vrindavan. There was vatsasura, there was bakasura. And he, ex- he goes into telling the loving exchanges that Krishna had with his friends. They were just little children. At a certain time, Nanda Maharaj gave the care of the calves to Krishna and his friends. They would go out into the pasture grounds every day with the calves, early in the morning and come back toward the evening. One day, one day... Krishna wanted to have breakfast with his friends on the banks of the Yamuna. Srila Prabhupada calls it a picnic. <laughs> Krishna wanted to have a picnic with his friends. So he got up especially early. It happened to be Balaram's appearance day, so Balaram did not come that day. And Krishna, he got up quite early, and usually Yasoda would wake up Krishna. That was part of her loving motherly affection is to wake up Krishna every morning. But this day Krishna got up on his own and he played his buffalo horn to call his friends. He played it in such a sweet way. That each of his friends, and he had so many countless little cowherd boy friends, each one of them heard this sweet sound and it woke them up. And they understood Krishna's calling us for a picnic today. And they all got little packed lunch they all got little packs from their mothers with their lunches, breakfasts. and they all smiling, they came to meet Krishna. When the, the little calves heard the buffalo horn, they were immediately coming to join all the gopas to come into the forests of Vrindavan. And we find in Krishna's loving relations with his devotees, Everything is supremely personal. In Krishna's pastimes, in the spiritual world, and how they are manifested in this world, there's nothing impersonal. Because prema, or ecstatic spiritual love, is Most personal, the love of Krishna, the rasa, the exchange of the hearts and the souls for the Supreme Soul. So when Krishna would blow his horn, it wasn't just a sound going into the atmosphere. Krishna is the Paramatma in everyone's heart. When Krishna blows his horn, he's personally blowing that buffalo horn for each and every person who's hearing it. And they could feel it personally. Each calf, Krishna's calling me. Each cowherd boy, Krishna's calling me. And in this way they all entered into the forest. And then Krishna would put his, he would have his buffalo horn hanging from his shoulder and then he and his friends as they entered the forest would play on their flutes. And Krishna's flute playing was the supreme experience of ecstatic loving emotion for anybody who would hear it. Because when Krishna played his flute, it was the love of his heart, the supreme, limitless love of his heart. It's personal for everyone, coming as a song through the holes of the flute, via his lips, his smiling face. And some of the elder gopis, they would give credit to Mai That because Krishna drinks the milk from Yashodamai, that's why the sound of his flute, when he puts those same lips, is so sweet. And the younger gopis, a little later, they would say, the reason why Krishna's flute is so sweet is because Srimati Radharani has taught him to play the flute. This is how Krishna's awakening, an experience, a very specialized experience in everyone. So they all, Krishna with gopas, they all had their sticks in their hand and they had little packets of prasad um, <clears throat> hanging from their shoulders. There were countless calves, asankhya. The acharyas go into explanations of what an asankhya is. And all I could say is, countless. (laughs) How in this little track of Brindaban could there be hundreds and thousands, millions, trillions, hundreds of trillions, quadrillions, hundreds of millions of quadrillions of quadrillions of calves? Now, here in this Pandal, I was told there's about 8,000 people. And, and you see how crowded it is? And some are way in the back, and some are in the front, and some are, some are crushed in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> and in the mornings, when you go to um, the different holy places, sometimes to get to your Bus to go down these lanes. There's all these rickshaws bumping into you and people crowding against you and, and the buses can't move and, they're, and their, their horns are blowing and and so many exhaust fumes and, and you're just... Oh, I just want to be alone. <laughs> How many people can you put in a little space? When I first came to New... To, to Brindaban in 1971, it was such a um, peaceful place. You know, the, the, there was the Goswami's temples and those little town around the Goswami's temples and everything else was just pastures with some little ashrams. It was so quiet. The River Yamuna was just very beautiful mud, or earthen banks. It was so quiet, no cars. Literally, no cars. And John Mostamy, a lot of people came to see Bunky Bihari. (laughs) That's what it was in those days. But other than that, it was very, very quiet. And now... So many buildings, and so many ashrams, and so many dharmashalas and so many temples, and so many cars, and so many trucks, and so many people. Vaishnavas, pilgrims, tourists, um, people coming to make money. So much going on here. And sometimes we see, feel inconvenience. It's just becoming too crowded. But when Krishna was here, it was infinitely more crowded. But there was never a traffic jam. We never see anybody standing in line, queues. There was space for everyone. How is that possible? How could there be so many calves, and yet every calf and every cowherd boy there were so many they all had such intimate personal relationships with each other no one was a stranger to anyone else and there was plenty of space they were playing so many games and we just so many forests and so many trees Srila Prabhupada quotes Jiva Goswami that the idea of God must be understood in reference to Achintya Shakti. Achintya Shakti means the Lord has inconceivable potencies, the Lord is unlimited. If He doesn't have inconceivable potencies, then what is the idea of God? Then it's just somebody like us, maybe a little stronger or a little bigger. And Sri Prabhupada explains how when it talks about these wonderful pastimes where Krishna is doing the most incredible things, Here he is, he's playing with limitless cowherd boys and limitless calves in this little forest of Vrindavan. We spoke yesterday how Krishna held up a hill for seven days with the little finger of his left hand. And Prabhupada said, people who do not understand the nature of spiritual truth, they consider this to be mythology. Sometimes said mythology. Which means these are just stories. These are just stories that are meant to teach us a good lesson, but actually impossible. Now, yegatam mam prapadyante tamstataiva if you're really looking for deepening your love for God and you want to take it as mythology and you take it that there is a God and these are just lessons, just very exaggerated stories to learn good lessons from, then you could learn good lessons and you could make much benefit by accepting it in that way. But when you have a deeper understanding, then we understand that this is history. Krishna could do anything. If, if the supreme absolute truth, the source of everything that exists comes to this earth to attract our hearts, what is it he cannot do? And if we want to, if our faith in God is dependent on our conceptions of what's, what he can do or what he can't do, then we don't understand the idea of achintishakti, inconceivable powers. And Śrīla Prabhupāda explains, there are so many great commentators. He said, Vedavyas. He compiled all the Vedic literatures with so many wonderful stories. Prabhupāda said, not once did he ever say, this is mythology. And then we have Viragava Acharya, one of the greatest scholars and saints of the Sri Ramaduja Sampradaya. And we have Sukadeva Goswami. And then we have others like Śrīdhār Swami, the original commentator of Srimad Bhagavatam, Jiva Goswami, Sanatan Goswami, Vishwana Chakravarti Thakur. so many others. Never do they ever say that this is allegorical. That Krishna's pastimes are mythology. Because they're seeing the truth. And when we understand it from this perspective, then we have such a deeper opportunity to love Krishna. Because Krishna is just supremely, unlimitedly wonderful in every way. When we read about the creation of the universe, we could take it symbolically, and we could learn a lot of good lessons, and we can enrich ourselves by doing that. But when we go deeper into the philosophy and into the lessons and enter into their true mysteries, yes, what is it that Krishna cannot do? Srila Prabhupada tells that story. We have all heard it, but we, we love to tell these stories and hear these stories again and again about that little cobbler who met Narada Muni. And he said, when will I see Narayan? And Narada Muni said, I just saw Narayan and I asked that question. He said, you will see him very soon. And the cobbler said, Oh, how wonderful. And then he asked, What was Narayan doing when you saw him? And this struck Narayan. That struck Narada Muni. Because when Narada Muni saw Narayan, he said, When the cobbler asks you, tell him that I was putting an elephant through the little tiny hole of a needle. What does that mean? So he told the cobbler, and the cobbler said, Oh, how wonderful. Narada Muni said, Do you believe that? (laughs) You don't think that's mythology, that he's putting an elephant through the hole of a needle? And in those days, elephants were far bigger than they are today. And probably the holes of the needles were smaller. So he said, "Why not? My Lord could do anything." He said, "We're sitting under this banyan tree. You see how gigantic this banyan tree is." And he picked up a little seed, which was not much bigger than the eye of a needle. He said, "My beloved Lord, He has put an entire banyan tree in this little seed. What is the problem for him to put elephant in the eye of needle? What is, the, what is the problem for him to be dancing and singing and playing and running around freely with hundreds of trillions of calves and cowherd boys in a little forest? That is Krishna. And the little children... They, they decorated themselves with fruits, with leaves, with feathers. They would rub minerals on each other's bodies to make different colors. And it describes how Krishna, he was the beautiful complexion of a tamal tree. And he awakened everyone's uh, happiness to to an unlimited degree. And Srimad Bhagavatam tells that however many games or any types of ways of playing, they all have their origin in Krishna playing with the gopas. There was no end to the games that they would play. Some of them were so simple. They would play hide and seek. Have any of you ever played hide and seek? It's Krishna's (laughs) leela. The simplest things that we do have its origin in Krishna. and they would play with little balls. They would take the fruits from the Amalaki fruit trees or the bale trees, and they, they made slingshots and they would shoot them and knock other fruits off trees and they would play with so many balls and they would wrestle with one another. <clears throat> Sometimes they played, one would be the emperor. And all the others would be the subjects. Sometimes Krishna would go to a little bit of a distant place to see the beautiful scenery of Vrindavan, And the Gopas couldn't find him. And for those moments, they weren't seeing Krishna. They were feeling so much separation from Him. And suddenly one boy would see Krishna at a little distance away and they would say, I will be the first to touch Krishna and run as fast as he could to Krishna. And all the other little boys would say, no, I will be the first to touch Krishna. And they'd all be running and they'd all be laughing. I will be the first to touch Krishna. By Krishna's grace, they were all the first to touch Krishna. (laughs) For you or me, to make one person happy, you make somebody else not happy. Mm -hmm. But for Krishna, He makes everyone happy simultaneously. And He also makes every, He can make everyone unhappy simultaneously. But in Vrindavan, this unhappiness is separation and that separation is actually a deeper happiness which awakens an excitement to meet him to increase the joy of that happiness. Sometimes the children in their play, one would steal the other boy's lunchbox. Now this is a serious thing for Kahara boys. (laughs) You could take my stick, you could take my feathers, but not my lunchbox. (laughs) But they would never disturb what was inside the lunchbox. They would just take the lunchbox, and then they'd throw, and the boy would go running after it, and they'd throw it to another, and the boy would run after where it was thrown to, and he'd throw it to someone else, and he'd throw it to someone else. And the boy was running and running, trying to get his lunchbox. And finally, when he he couldn't find his lunchbox anywhere, he would cry, and all the other boys would laugh and laugh and laugh, and then give him back his lunchbox. (laughs) That's what little boys do. And Krishna would be watching, and Krishna would be participating. At other times they would imitate the animals of Vrindavan. They would would see birds flying, and they'd follow the shadows of the birds with their arms, and pretend to be um, flying with the birds. The bumblebees of Vrindavan, the gopis would call them. Um, they were like the, em- they, they were like the acharyas of the flower garlands of Krishna, because they knew how to relish the sweetness of those flower garlands. Now today, if you have a nice flower garland and there's all kinds of bees around it, you're usually not happy. But these bees are the the greatest, most self-realized, enlightened sages with ecstatic love. And they're experiencing the sweetness of Krishna in those garlands, and their humming is kirtan. They're expressing their love for Krishna through their buzzing. So the little gopas, they would imitate the buzzing of the bumblebees. Now let us go into the mood of the cowherd boys with great enthusiasm very loudly for Krishna's pleasure, please. And they would hear the sweet song of the cuckoo and they would sing just like the cuckoos. didn't get to monkeys yet. You know. <laughs> but Krishna is happy with our endeavors. <laughs> and they would uh, they would imitate the graceful movements of the swans and they would dance like the peacocks and caw. They would call and sing out like the peacocks. Much louder, please, please. uh, my god brothers i'm sorry i have to try to keep them awake somehow (laughs) (laughs) and they'd see a monkey sitting and they'd sit next to the monkey little cowherd boys just playing, every one of them is trying to make Krishna happy by doing like this. And they'd sit next to the monkey, and the monkey would look at them, and they'd look at the monkey, and the monkey would make one of those, you know, faces, and they would do the same thing with the monkey, and the monkey would jump away, and they would jump along with the monkey. and The monkey would climb a tree, and the cowherd boy would climb the tree, and the monkey would go on a branch, the cowherd boy would go on a branch, And they'd see a little baby monkey and the cowherd boys would pull their tails and the babies would jump away and they would jump away and they'd make the sounds of the monkeys. (laughs) (laughs) Don't, Don't be shy. We don't want our hidden propensities to come out. <laughs> and the boys, they would go to a waterfall, and near the waterfall, there was a little creek of water, and they'd go up to the creek of water, and there'd be a frog. And the frog would jump across, hop. And the boy, just like a frog, would hop across, and he would be hopping like frogs and singing like frogs. So, sounds sounds like sounds like a Mumbai traffic jam. <laughs> All right, it was a good try and they would see the reflection in the water, and they would just be, they would have so much pastimes just seeing the reflection in the water, and, and, and talking to the reflection in the water, and having a discussion with the reflection in the water, and they'd scream in a well, and they'd hear the echo, and they'd start speaking all kinds of c- critical words toward the echo, and this way they spent their day playing so many wonderful games sukadev goswami he has spoken that what the jnanis worship as the all-pervading supreme brahman and what the greatest of the realized yogis worship and realize as the localized paramātma within every heart, and, what, and who the devotees worship as the Supreme Personality of Godhead with all opulences. The cowherd boys of Vrindavan, they played with him as their most intimate, loving friend. Rupa Goswami teaches that somehow or other, we should think of Krishna. Oma pavitra pavitrova sarvavastam kuto piva yasmare pundarika ksham sabaya bhyante is all-attractive. Krishna is supremely pure. Just by remembering Krishna, by becoming absorbed in thinking of Krishna, we become attracted, we become purified. (coughs) The fortune of the Brijabhasis is that Supreme Brahman was reciprocating with them as an ordinary child to be their son, their friend, their lover, their life and soul. So as this wonderful story is being told about the playfulness of Krishna with his friends, sometimes they'd wrestle together Sometimes they would run and they would dance. It's described that the children would say, Krishna, dance like a peacock. And Krishna would dance like a peacock. But He would dance just like a peacock. <coughs> in fact, Krishna's the ability in everyone. It's Krishna that gives the peacock the power to dance. So he did it in such an innocent, loving, charming ways just to please his friends that they were all clapping and they were all cheering. And the leader, the king of the peacocks was so pleased to see Krishna dancing like a peacock and he personally gave the best of his feathers to be put on Krishna's head. Sometimes Krishna would dance and play His flute for the cowherd boyfriends. And He would dance so beautiful that even without putting His lips on His flute, the flute would play itself. And Krishna would be dancing to the flute and the flute would get more and more enthusiastic and everybody was just watching, mesmerized. Why was Krishna doing? Simply to give happiness to his friends and who were his friends the cowherd boys the calves the birds the trees the bees the flowers everyone Vrindavan is a place where rasa bihari is enjoying giving the greatest happiness to everyone and everyone's only happiness is giving happiness to Krishna. So while all this joy was going on, as we find in Krishna's Leela, the sweetness of the rasas become complemented with apparent opposition. But Krishna utilizes all that opposition only to increase the love and the joy of his devotees. Putana and Bhakasura (coughs) (coughs) had a younger brother. His name was Aga or Agasura. He was extremely powerful. He had such incredible, mystical, supernatural abilities. He could not tolerate seeing the happiness of Krishna and his friends. This is the nature of envy. We don't like to see other people happy. He just could not tolerate the joy of the cowherd boys. They were playing. They were laughing. Everything was so sweet. And he hated this. So he decided within his mind that I will get revenge for the death of my brother and sister. I will not only kill Krishna, I will kill all the calves, I will kill all the cowherd boys. <clears throat> and if the cows and the, and the cowherd boys are dead, then the parents, the cows, and the elderly gopas and gopis, they will also die. This was mass genocide it was his conviction and his purpose to literally exterminate everyone in vrindavan and he had a master plan how to do it by his supernatural powers he took the form of an enormous serpent And he laid just on the pathway that all the Gopas were heading toward. And opened his mouth. And the Gopas are playing and playing, and they played one game and another game, and they were playing so many games simultaneously. And when it came to playing another game, they were looking for something to do. And they saw this Agasura. And the cowherd boys were just so happy. They had so much faith. Nothing could disturb them in this way. They were thinking this is another wonderful attraction of Brindaban. Brindaban is full of limitless variegatedness. And now we have something else to play with. And it looks kind of like a big snake, a big python. Agasura was eight miles long. they were saying, look at he looks like a giant snake. And he looks like he has red eyes that are full of anger. And look at his mouth looks like a giant cave. And his teeth look like snow-capped mountain peaks. And his tongue looks like a highway. And the smell that's coming out it smells like animals that have been burnt alive inside of him. And they're joking. (laughs) Whether they actually are convinced it's a snake they're just comparing. Whatever it was they're comparing. Let us go inside. If there is... if. If there is a danger, Krishna will save us. After all, he saved us from Bakasura. So they were all smiling and clapping. And as described, some of the boys, as as they were running toward this gigantic serpent's mouth, one of the boys got afraid and started running away and the others chastised. We won't play with you again if you run away. So he came back and ran. And Krishna's looking at this and thinking, my friends, they don't understand. This actually is a snake. Not only is a snake, he's one of the intimate associates of Kamsa and he is especially envious and angry because we killed his brother and sister. He's come to kill everybody. And my friends are running right into his mouth. Sukhadeva Goswami tells that Krishna was thinking I should stop them, but just as he was thinking, they all ran in. And as they ran in, they were looking at Krishna and smiling and playing their flutes and their horns, and all the calves were following them. And Krishna, how how to... Kill this demon when all of his friends are inside his body. Agasura was waiting for Krishna to enter. And then Krishna entered the entered the massive mouth of Agha. And boom closed his mouth and he was about to crush them and burn them alive have any of you ever studied pythons I haven't (laughs) so I might be a little off but my understanding is they have these something inside of them that i don't know if they're muscles or what but when they when they swallow like a python will swallow a goat or a dog and then they crush them they just crush them and uh, while they're crushing them they have these acids that are like burning fire and they crush you into practically nothing and simultaneously they burn you. That's how pythons work. When Krishna saw his cowherd boys going in, he was thinking in his mind, they're like, they're like blades of straw about to be burnt by this, by this great python in his stomach. So Aga, he had everybody inside of him, and he was just about to do that. It was pitch dark. Hardly any air. All the little cowherd boys, they fell unconscious. They were practically dead. And then Krishna... As Akasura with all of his acids and all his muscles were struggling to devour everybody, burn everybody, Krishna expanded his body. And as he was expanding, Akasura was trying to expand with him. But he couldn't. Krishna expanded to an enormous size. What was Akasura? It describes when his mouth was open, his lower lip was on the Ground and his upper lip was above the clouds. He was massive. And Krishna grew to such a size that no air could move within Agasura's He was suffocating. He was struggling and struggling and struggling to do something to Krishna, but he couldn't do anything. Krishna kept growing and growing. And it's very unique, Agasura, because it's the first time Krishna changed his form or developed or or manifested these Aishwarya opulences in killing a demon. Putana was enormous, but Krishna just remained a little baby and drank. All of the Asuras in Vrindaban who came Krishna didn't use weapons, he didn't manifest different forms, he just playfully liberated them. Because he didn't want to disturb the devotee's intimacy of love, as as their child, as their friend. But because all the children were unconscious and because nobody could see what was going on inside from outside, Krishna could do anything he wanted. So he grew and he grew and he grew. Meanwhile, the devatas were in such a worryful condition because Agasura was the most envious enemy that caused them fear constantly. And for Aga, he was struggling, struggling to breathe. But because the air couldn't go out anywhere, his life air, along with his very soul, it burst through his top of his head and went into the sky in the form of an effulgent light. At that time, his mouth opened and Krishna glanced upon all of his friends and all of the calves and brought them back to consciousness. And it was like they just took a really nice nap. They didn't even know. They, they had no idea what happened, really. They didn't know that they were practically dead. They just woke up and they smiled and they all went outside of of Agasura's mouth and went back into the beautiful forest of Vrindavan. And meanwhile the light was waiting in the sky. When Krishna, after all the calves and gopas were released, when he came outside of Agasura's body, that light in front of everyone's eyes, entered into Krishna's body. So there was no question that he had attained liberation. prapadyante, Krishna tells, as you surrender to me, I reciprocate accordingly. So Krishna went into Aga's body, and then Aga went into Krishna's body. But because Agasura, even though he was so evil, such an intention, because the boys were having such a good time inside of his body, when they danced inside of him, they were simply enjoying, Krishna will save us if there's any problem. Somehow or other, he gave them happiness. because he gave the cowherd boys so much happiness, at the moment of his death, he actually experienced some happiness. And therefore, he went back to Vaikuntha, the spiritual world, to have an eternal loving relationship with Krishna. Who is is Sarva Bhutanam, the most intimate, lovely, loving, well wishing friend of all living beings? Sukadeva Goswami tells a story to Pariksit Maharaj and ends it by saying that this pastime took place in Krishna's Komara Lila. And it was during his Poganda Leela that the Brijabhasis back in the village heard the story. And Pariksha Maharaj was very um, enthusiastic to understand how is this possible? That's a one year difference. How could the cowherd boys, this incredible pastime of Agasura deliverance, how? How could they keep this a secret from the Brijabhasis for one full year? And Pariksha Maharaj, his enthusiasm to hear, every little detail, he was so um, excited. And Sukadev Goswami would say, because of your excitement to hear, you're giving excitement for me to speak speak that eagerness to hear about Krishna Srila Prabhupada writes in a purport that one needs to be a very, very advanced devotee to have a taste, to constantly hear about Krishna constantly wanting to hear more and more about Krishna. Parikshit Maharaj said, when you are speaking to me about Krishna, everything you speak becomes newer and newer. And Sanatana Goswami asked a simple question, if you never heard something before, then how could hearing it become newer? Newer means it's newer than it was. But that's Krishna. <laughs> his holy names, his pastimes, his qualities, Navayovanam child, they're ever fresh, ever new. Because Krishna's ever expanding in every way. And for those who, who have awakened love for Krishna, the love of Krishna that we feel for us and the love that we feel for Krishna is ever expanding. It's newer, it's newer, and it's more new. The test of being a very advanced devotee is not just how many new information we can, we can learn and speak. That's good but it's also, if you know one story, can you hear it and speak it for the rest of your life and for all of eternity? And it gets newer and newer and fresher and fresher and more and more exciting every time you hear it. That's a symptom of spiritual advancement. Srila Prabhupada would have devotees read Krishna book to him. He wrote it. He heard the stories, how many countless times, but he'd be rapt attention. Chandramali Swami Maharaj, I think one time, you, Yadubhar Prabhu, you may have been there, when Janmastami Srila Prabhupada was having devotees read Krishna book, and even the story of the prayers to the demigods, and it was past midnight, And in those days, everybody was fasting from food and water. And everybody was so tired and so hungry. And and Prabhupada was sitting with his back erect on his vyasasana in his temple room, which was overcrowded and burning hot. And he was listening to Krishna book. Next chapter... Next chapter. Every time a chapter would end, devotees would cheer because they thought it was over. (laughs) Prabhupada said, Next chapter. And it was really a good lesson because we understood we're not, we thought we were advanced until that night. And Prabhupada wasn't trying to prove anything, he was just, he just loved Krishna and he loved to hear about Krishna. So Pariksit Maharaj was so eager. Please tell me, I'm so, I, I, I'm so excited to understand why is it that the Brijabhasis in the village did not hear about Agasura until one year later? and sukadev goswami he began to think about what he was about to speak and he actually went into ecstasy and became stunned and parikshit maharaj only had 7 days to hear everything so sukadev goswami that was a serious matter if he stopped speaking some of the acharyas say that Pariksha Maharaj had his son with kīrtan instruments, and every time Sukadeva Goswami started to go into it, to an ecstasy, they would start playing the instruments and having kīrtan to bring him out of the ecstasy to speak again. This particular story is very dear to us because it was the last offering of Śrīla Prabhupāda in the form of his translations and purports in the Śrīmad-Bhāgavatam. Tomorrow is Śrīla Prabhupāda's Disappearance Day. So to prepare for this most holy of holy days of love and separation from our beloved founder, Acharya, let us briefly describe this wonderful story, which was Śrīla Prabhupāda's last translation and Bhaktivedanta purport. After Agasura, the Gopas were really hungry because getting eaten by a big snake can make you really hungry. (laughs) It was very exciting. So Krishna wanted to make his friends happy. So he found a wonderful sandy bank near the Yamuna River. And he said, let us take our, let us take our prasad here. He said, just see the white, pure, clean sand and just close by there's wonderful pastures with fresh grasses for our calves. And they all sat down together. It is described that Krishna sat in the middle like the whirl of a lotus flower and all the gopas were like the petals of the lotus flower. And there were various lines of circles around Krishna in all the four directions, with these countless cowherd boys all sitting a circle, and then a circle around that circle, and a circle around that circle, and like that. And each one of the boys made a special plate from what was available in the forest for their, for their food. Some made plates out of lotus leaves, others out of other types of leaves, others out of bark, some out of rocks. And they all took out their prasad from their little boxes and they were all showing it to each other. Every cowherd boy was experiencing that constantly Krishna was looking only at them. This is something wonderful, because it's not that Krishna had four different heads going in all the four different directions. He was just looking in one direction. And of the countless cowherd boys, they were all around him, for a long distance even and each one of the cowherd boys saw krishna joking to him looking at him smiling at him reciprocating with him that is krishna his love is limitless and krishna can give limitless love in a personal exclusive way to every living entity who opens their hearts to receive it. They were telling so many wonderful jokes. Meanwhile, the demigods, after Agasura attained the liberation of Vaikunita, they were stunned. They wanted to come and see And there they found Krishna on the bank of the river. Lord Brahma heard so many festivals and celebrations of the devas that he personally descended to see. How has this happened? And there he saw the supreme truth just like the most common little child telling little jokes. A boy would taste something, a laddu, and say, Krishna's is very good, you try it, and Krishna would take it and he would bite it. And in this way he was eating all the remnants of his friends and he was giving all of his remnants to his friends. and. Brahma, he's the he's All the greatest sages and Rishis and all the Vedas are offering sacrifices to Krishna. And Krishna's eating the remnants of his of these little children. Enjoying. What are the pious activities? What are the devotional credits of these little children to be playing with the Absolute Truth, the Supreme Brahman in this way? So Brahma was actually bewildered. Krishna was acting in such a simple, ordinary way Brahma wanted to test him. He allured the calves to a forest. And when the gopas saw that the calves were gone, they became very excited. They they were all about to jump up from their prasad in and, and look for the calves. Krishna said, You stay here, you enjoy the prasad. I will go and get our calves." So Krishna, he searched. He couldn't find the calves anywhere. He went into the forest, he went into the mountains, he went into the caves. He was looking and looking and looking. And then he came back to tell the cowherd boys he couldn't find the calves. And when he returned, the cowherd boys were gone and he couldn't find them anywhere. He was searching. Lord Brahma had taken them all away and put them into into the sleep of his maya. And he was just watching Krishna to see He's looking everywhere. He doesn't know that I've taken them. But Krishna knows everything. And he was thinking the sun is about to set, and the cows are waiting for the calves, and the mother gopis are waiting for the gopas. Instantly, Krishna expanded himself to be identical to every calf and every cowherd boy. <laughs> Krishna went into the village. <laughs> Each cowherd boy was playing flutes and playing horns and its calf was crying out for the mother and the mother was crying for the children and it was just like any other day. Nobody suspected. So thorough was Krishna's pastime that every bodily feature, each limb, each hair on the body, each ornament, each dress. the mannerisms, the sound of the voice, everything was absolutely identical. Except one thing, that the gopis and the gopas, they never loved their children so much and similarly with the cows for the calves previously everyone loved their children more than anybody could ever love children, children. but still they loved krishna more in fact this was one of the great wonders that parikshit maharaj asked How is it possible for anyone to love someone else's child more than your own child? It just goes by the whole biological, psychological nature of parenthood. I remember I had neighbors who were really good students and really well-behaved, and I wasn't a very good student, and I wasn't so well-behaved, but still my... Mother and father loved me more than them. That's the nature. But everyone loved Krishna more than their own children. But they loved their own children more than anybody could love their own children. And they all were so happy that Yashoda and Nanda had Krishna as their child. They never had envy. They appreciated so much that they could love Krishna as their own personal child. Krishna knew that desire. He took the bewilderment of Brahma as an opportunity to fulfill every Vrjabhasi's desire. Every cow could love her calf the same way Yashodama loves Krishna the cows profuse milk and the profuse love in the form of milk they were feeding their little children and Tears of ecstasy would be pouring from the cow's eyes and they'd be licking their little calf like they were trying to swallow them. They were just so overwhelmed with love because it was Krishna. And when the gopas would come home in the evenings, every night, the gopis, just by hearing their flutes playing, hearing them coming, their, the milk would just start flowing the milk of their love, and they would put them out, feed them, and bathe them. And along with the, go- the elderly gopas, they would, they, they, they would do abhishek for their children every night. They would smear them with oils and fragrances, put garlands on them, put fresh clothes on them, embrace them again and again and again. They didn't know, but Krishna was giving everyone the opportunity to fulfill their innermost heart's desire, to offer their love for his pleasure. How sacred is Brindaban? For one full year. Krishna, in the form of the calves, would spend the whole day eating the grass. We're walking on the grass of Vrindavan, whatever we could find. (laughs) But Krishna, as a calf, countless calves, would spend the whole day just eating the grass of Vrindavan and finding the highest satisfaction. And the gopas were Krishna, and the calves were Krishna. Krishna was hurting himself. And when they were playing all the same games with the amalaki fruits and the bale fruits, and they were playing, you know, leapfrog and and Prabhupada says blind man's bluff. He, he actually gives that game. He was playing all these games with himself, and he was taking care of himself in the form of calves. And it was going the other way too. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Krishna wanted to understand what it was about Himself that made Srimati Radharani so happy in her love from Him. Well, here Krishna, in the form of each cowherd boy, is experiencing their love for Krishna. He's actually seeing Krish, the original Krishna is playing as Krishna, and all the cowherd boys are Krishna who are trying to please Krishna. And in this way, Krishna is experiencing how everyone loves him. The people of Vrindavan not only. Did they love their own children more than they ever loved before? They loved their own children as much as they loved Krishna because their children was Krishna. But they also loved everyone else's children as much as they loved Krishna. Because everyone else's children was Krishna too. Such a wonderful pastime. And it was just newer and newer and more and more blissful at every moment because the love was ever-increasing. From early morning till about the time of the sunset, Krishna was just hurting himself, being herded by himself, playing with himself, and and. It was ever new, ever fresh, ecstatic reciprocations. In this way, Krishna fulfilled everyone's desire in five or six days before the year expired. Balaram, Krishna covered over Balaram, so he didn't even know what was happening. How is that possible? Krishna's going out with Krishna for one full... Balarama's going out with Krishna for one full year, and is seeing the ever-increasing love that's taking place in the village and outside of the village, and he's not aware. But then one day, the cows were on the top of Govardhan hill, and they happened to see their calves, who were all Krishna. And they filled with so much motherly affection, the cows left the cowherd men, who were all elderly, and started running down the hill as if they had, their, their legs were running together, galloping. And it was a very rough road, and the cowherd men tried to stop them, but they couldn't. They were running behind. And when the cows came down — and these were the elder calves — these cows already had other calves, so they had not given their milk to these calves for some time. But when they saw these calves, They were so overwhelmed with motherly love, weeping and crying in ecstasy, giving the calves their milk. And the cowherd men, when they saw their children, their fatherly affection for Krishna. They embraced them again and again and again and smelled their heads again and again and bathed their little children with the tears of their love. And they wanted to go away to do their duties, but they just couldn't leave their children because their children were Krishna. Balaram saw this. This was extraordinary. How is it possible that the cows... And the cowherd men love their children in such a way that's identical to people's love for Krishna. And he understood they must all be Krishna. And he asked Krishna, What is this? And Krishna explained everything. And in this way, Krishna fulfilled everyone's desires in this very sweet, intimate way for one full year which was only a moment for Brahma, he returned just to see what kind of turmoil he had created. And when he came down, everything was just the same. There was Krishna playing games with the cowherd boys, and there was the calves eating grass. What is this? Brahma went back to where he had um, all the calves and gopas in a mystical sleep. They were there. And he came back and they were here. Which ones are the real ones? What is Krishna — has Krishna replaced? Are these the originals? Are those the originals? Am I just an illusion? Am I hallucinating? What is happening? He couldn't understand. It was incredible because each calf and gopa was totally unique, personal and identical to the original form who was sleeping. To bewilder Brahma takes an extraordinary pastime. So Brahma, he was so confused he could not understand. And when it came to a culmination where his mind was just exploding with bewilderment, suddenly each calf and gopa manifested the form of Narayan with a complexion like a dark monsoon cloud. Each one had four arms carrying the symbols of Vishnu. Each one had looked Lakshmi on his chest, with all the ornaments and garlands covered with tulsi garlands. He saw not only the magnificent lord of Vaikuntha, Vishnu, in each of these forms, but he saw the devatas, the energies of Vishnu, the shaktis. He saw time, he saw all the ingredients of material energy around each one, and there were countless. As Brahma was seeing this, he came to a state where he was stunned. It is explained he was like a clay doll. He couldn't think anymore. He became completely paralyzed and he lost his consciousness. And then suddenly he came back to consciousness. And for the first time, he actually could experience Vrindavan. He saw that every tree was a Briksha tree, every cow was a Kamadenu cow. He saw the forest of Vrindavan as the spiritual world. And there's a beautiful verse in this regard, where Vrindavan is such a wonderful place, that there is no hunger, there is no thirst, there is no anger. And all the different animals and all the different people in the forests of Vrindavan, there is no animosity. Everyone is friendly and loving to each other. When Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was traveling through the Kanda forest and he induced every, all the animals to chant the holy names, at one time, tigers and the deers were embracing and kissing each other in spiritual love. And Lord Chaitanya saw this and smiled. What is the power of the holy name of Krishna? And he recited this verse, that Vrindavan is such a wonderful place. And Srila Prabhupada explains this is the effect of putting Krishna in the center of our lives. When we actually put Krishna in the center of our life, then we can experience Prindabhan. And then Srila Prabhupada says there's no distinction in how we respect, how we care, and how we love one another. Srila Prabhupada says whether one is a person, or a cow, or a calf, or a dog, or a cat, or a deer, when Krishna's in the center, there's love, there's respect for each other. That's the test that Krishna is actually in the center of our life. Prabhupada explained the Vaikuntha consciousness is where everyone is Prabhu and I am Das. And sweeter, more intimate than Vaikuntha is Vrindaban. Where we see when Krishna is in the center of our lives, when we're all together striving to give Krishna happiness, then there's natural love and cooperation among each other. When Krishna said, and when Srila Prabhupada told us, You can show your love for me by how you cooperate, what he's saying is. You could show your love for me by becoming Krishna conscious. Because when we're Krishna conscious and Krishna's in the center, there's natural cooperation. And this is one of Srila Prabhupada's last purports, where he's explaining this principle in such depth. When Brahma was freed from his false ego, when Brahma surrendered his heart to Krishna, then he could see Vrindavan as it is, as the spiritual world. Chintamani satma Sukalpa Briksha. Brahma was seeing every particle of dust as chintamani jewels. All the water as nectar. All the cows as Kamadenus and all the Brijabhasis, all living entities, as Krishna's dear most associates. And then suddenly everything disappeared. And all that was left was Krishna standing all alone as he was exactly one year before, holding yogurt rice, dahi rice, with fruit. When he was looking for the calves, he was was holding that fruit, and he was still holding it, just very innocently. Where's my calves? Where's my friends? When Brahma saw this he came down and this is something that's quite relevant because the devatas has never touched the earth, but Brahma fell on the earth, offered his full prostrations what does that mean he gave up his identity as a devata and not only devata brahmas the father and the chief of all the devatas but he no longer identified with his role or position now he was only an exclusively a surrendered soul he prostrated himself at little Gopal's feet. And Gopal wasn't even saying anything. He was just looking around for his calves. And Brahma with his eyes, as he was doing his dandavats in the, in the, in the dust of Vrindavan, tears, tears of humility, tears of joy and gratitude were falling from his eyes. He was bathing Krishna's lotus feet with his tears. And every time he tried to get up, he just dandavats again, and again, and again, and again. In his heart, his body, his mind, his soul, he surrendered everything to Krishna, who was a little cowherd boy holding his yogurt rice in his hand. And Brahma offered prayers. In those prayers, it is described—he's compared to a firefly. At night, a firefly will make some light. And because it's dark out, the firefly really, th- and the firefly has really tiny little eyes. They're just looking out and they're, they're thinking they're lighting up the sky. Because from where they are, with, where they're located, it seems like they're lighting up the whole sky because their eyes can't really see beyond the light that they emit. But it goes off in a few seconds. But at noontime, when the sun is out, the firefly realizes, I am insignificant. And this is Brahma speaking. What is our condition compared to Brahma? We think we're learned, we think we're we're skilled, we think we're wealthy, We think we're great in what we're doing. Humility doesn't mean we feel depressed. It means we feel limitless joy when it's in Krishna consciousness because we're taking our pride when a firefly is happy with the light of the sun. (laughs) Feels totally all my life all my energy, everything is coming from the sun, and the sun is not only the source of me, but the ultimate well-wisher for me. Then your greatest happiness is in the sun, not how much light you give out. And Brahma prayed to Krishna. For one benediction. Let me be any object in Brindaban. Whether it's a shrub or a tree or a piece of grass or a rock or any of the animals or any of let me just be any object in Brindaban so I could get the dust of the feet of your devotees on my head. That is how much Brahma. Could appreciate Krishna's own intimate, personal, loving abode of Sri Vrindavan. Srila Prabhupada left Vrindavan in 1965 to bring the love of Vrindavan to the world. And in 1977, he returned to Vrindavan. Where well, he wrote the purports and dictated the translations, or dictated the translations and purports for this chapter of Srimad Bhagavatam. And it was here in his eternal home in Sri Brindavan Tham in Krishna Balaram temple, surrounded by his loving devotees performing Nam Sankirtan. that Śrīla Prabhupāda performed His final leela of His earthly pastimes in this world. Tomorrow we will be remembering with, with gratitude And hopefully, we will be recommitting ourselves to the spirit of reciprocating with Srila Prabhupada's love, with his compassion. And when Krishna is pleased, then We will understand what is Vrindavan, what is bhakti, what is the goal of life. Thank you very much.